Happy Easter. It is so good to be here with you guys this Easter morning, this Resurrection Sunday. It is my favorite, honestly, one of my favorite holidays because this is like everything that God did culminated in this moment, right? And it's so powerful, right? The, the Christmas story, the story of, of Jesus coming in and invading enemy territory, right? That's, that's what happened. He came as a baby, and, and that's awesome. But this is our victory day. This is what it all led up to. And honestly, without the resurrection, our faith is, doesn't have much substance, right? This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Citing the importance of this moment, that this wasn't just something that we think about, This wasn't just some past event. This isn't just something for the future. This is reality, and we get to live it. The resurrection from the dead. Jesus coming back to life. Because we know that wherever his tomb was, it's empty. Amen? Amen. Wherever his tomb was, it's empty. Jesus is alive. He's not there anymore. He's not there. We're going to read this. If you have your Bible, open up to Matthew 28. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The guards shook with fear, and when they saw him, they fell into a dead faint. When I was reading this, I realized that they were like the fainting goats. That's what happened. You know what I'm talking about? Those goats, when they get scared, they like, and they follow. That's, that's what happened. You know, they're just like, Hook! They, uh, where, uh, <laughs> then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus. Also note that the women didn't faint. I'm just saying. That's interesting. <laughs> if we were in that situation, my wife and I, I would be the fainter. <laughs> Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. I want you guys to read this next part with me. He is risen from the dead. Let's just say that one more time. He is risen from the dead. Just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were frightened. But also filled with great joy. They rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. They ran to him.
grasped his feet and worshipped. I'm very sorry. You ever read scripture and it just hits you in a way? I read this like 15 times so this wouldn't happen and here we are. You know what? I won't be. Thank you. (laughs) Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. The instinct to see the resurrected Jesus was to worship. They had very clear instructions. Worship was not one of them in that moment. But how magnificent for them. They thought he was dead. On Saturday, The day after Jesus was crucified, people just kind of went about their normal lives, right? The disciples were like, I don't know what to do anymore. I'm going to go fishing, which is my typical response. (laughs) I I don't know what to do. And these women, they see Jesus and they just begin to worship because the reality of what they faced was this. The undefeated thing that we call death finally met its match. Right? Death had claimed victory entirely over us. We were in bondage to death. We were a slave to death. And seeing the person of Jesus provoked the idea that there is something greater than death. Amen? And his name was Jesus. And their response was to worship. You see, the reality of the situation is that we have been liberated. We've been set free. There's a couple of things here that we're going to talk about that we've been set free from. But I want you to understand that the truth of why we've been set free is because of this. It says this in Romans 8.11. It says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead actually lives in us. This is good news, church, because we've been liberated. Because of that spirit, because of what God has done, we actually get liberated. The first thing here is we're liberated from the fear of death being the end. He's been defeated. It says this. It says, I am the resurrection. This is John chapter 11. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Anyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Why is, how is that even possible? What Jesus came to do was establish his kingdom. It was missed by all of the Israelites. It was missed by the disciples. It was missed by those in authority at that time. But he came to establish his kingdom. Jesus said, I'm the gate. Anyone who walks in will get life. I mixed a couple of his parables there, but you get the idea. He's the gate. What he did on the cross 
allowed us to have access to the kingdom. And by the way, this is a kingdom that will never perish. And because we have access to the kingdom, though our earthly bodies may perish, we will never perish because his kingdom is imperishable. Amen? We can give a big amen for that. Come on. We will never die. This is the hope we have in Jesus. And I know death is, is so, we're so heightened and so aware of it right now. And I understand that. And, it, and it's, if I'm being honest, it, it still kind of looms over me. The thought of leaving, not because I'm afraid of what's going to happen afterwards, but I'm afraid of leaving my family behind. Who, who's going to look after them? And, and, and I get that. And I really do. But God made a way for us to not fear death. And at the end of the day, my trust is in him to take care of my family, to to meet their needs, to take care of my wife. Honestly, she doesn't need me very much. I need her more. (laughs) I've worked that out with the Lord I'm going first. (laughs) Here's the second thing, guys. Here's the second thing that that this liberated us from. It's the bondage of sin. The bondage of sin. It no longer has to define us. Sin no longer has to be involved in my person. It says this in Romans 5, For the sin of one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everybody, for everyone. So we've been set free. I know so many people who, who think that they are still, oh, I'm just, uh, I'm just a sinner. I'm, this is just going to be my struggle. This is my lot in life. No, it does not have to be. It does not have to be. There is more to the life inside of Christ's kingdom than sin management. You are free from the bondage of sin and death. And note here that you are free from sin and from death. 1 Corinthians 15 says, for, the sin, for sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God. Let's just, but thank God. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can live a life that looks like Christ. Free of sin. Free of sin. And the third thing here is that we can live a powerful life in Christ. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead actually lives in you. This resurrection power closes the gap from who we are and who we can be in Christ, amen? This resurrection 
power closes the gap between who we are, who we have been, and who we can be in Jesus. And there's actually a reason for it. There's actually something that gives us substance for this hope that this reality is true. In Hebrews 10, starting in verse 19, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. What he's saying here is, if you guys know in the Old Testament, they had, uh, they had the holy place, right? It was the holy of holies, and, and it was in their tabernacle. And it was like in the center, and there was layers. And only the, the high priest could go into the holy of holies. That was it back then, because it was so magnificent, and, and it was so awesome, and it was so pure that, that you had to like make sure that you did all of the sacrifices correctly and you had to be absolutely 100% clean. Like that was, there was, they actually tied ropes around the waists of the high priest because if they went in there and died, they had to drag them out because no one was going in after them. Could you imagine having that job? <laughs> How many times it took them for them to find out, maybe we should put a rope on here. You know what I'm saying? When Jesus dies, the, the Bible tells us that that, that that curtain, which was a huge, it was a thick curtain, it was torn from top to bottom. We don't need that anymore. We actually have access to the most holy place of God. And that holy place changes us. It, it transforms us. It actually makes us like Jesus so that we can have the same power that he had. How many of you guys um, died Easter eggs uh, this last week? We did, right? It was good. You want to give it up for Jamie? She's my assistant in this. She's going to... We should always just give it up for Jamie. She's awesome. <laughs> She's like, no, don't do that. So... How many of you guys remember when you were kids, when you, uh, when you died Easter eggs, you, all, you were super impatient, right? I don't know what to do with that. I'm just going to, dang it. <laughs> you thought of everything. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. you like, I was growing up, I got really impatient and We'd always pick it up to see what was going on. I saw this in my kids. We, we died Easter eggs yesterday, and my kids were like, I want to see it. And I'm like, you got to wait. You got to put it in. You actually have to submerge it. You have to give it time. You pull it out. How many of you were like that? Show of hands. Growing up. Our kid, yep. Yeah. Nicole, she was still like that. I'm like, babe, you got to give it a second. <laughs> Pour it in. Uh, it doesn't quite look right. You put it in. Uh, I'm not so sure. You put it in. We actually have to sit. The egg has to sit. For a minute. This is such a, an interesting thing when I think of the presence of God because 
so often we live our lives kind of in and out, and we have these moments where it's like, I'm in God's presence. I don't feel anything different. And this is why I, it's so interesting to me when people are like, I tried the Christian thing. I tried praying. I tried, but they're just in and out and in and out and in, and they're not letting it sit. They're not letting God fully envelop them and surround them. Time spent in the presence of God is what creates transformation. Time spent in the presence of God creates transformation. It's where you learn relationship. It's where you learn how to interpret his scriptures. It's it's where you learn how to pray, how to hear. His presence means everything. And here's something really, really important, church. This is true even if you can't feel it. And this is where I think we get it a little twisted, right? Well, I'm not feeling anything here. I'm not feeling anything in this worship. I'm not feeling anything when I read. I'm I'm just not feeling it. This isn't producing the feeling that I want. Well, God said this, and so we know it's true, because there's one thing God cannot do is lie. Amen. He said, for those who ask, the answer will be given. For those who seek, they will find. And those who knock, the door will be open to them. Our God does not want to remain a mystery to you. His presence does not want to hide from you. He wants all of you and he wants you to have all of him. Could we practice sitting in his presence? Even if it feels awkward, even if it's just in silence, alone with an open Bible, I really believe then we will begin to see more of the stuff that we want to feel, right? We would see more of the stuff that we want to feel. John 14 says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. God wants to do great things. He wants to do amazing things. And I don't know if you know this or not, but he's actually calling you to be a part of those great things. He's calling you to partner with the Holy Spirit to see God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is amazing, church. This is what he gave his life for. 
for us to spend time with him so that when we walk out our life, it's powerful in Jesus' name. How many of you guys believe that's true, that if you ask anything in his name, it will be done? Right? Come on. How many of you believe that if you ask anything in his name, it will be done? I want to challenge you this morning because I challenge myself with this every day. If it's hard for you to believe that, I challenge you to to question what you're asking for. See, the more time I spend in God's presence, the more I realize sometimes I thought I was asking for something that was really, really good and really, really God, and it was really, really just me. He didn't say, I'll give you anything you ask for in Joe's name. (laughs) Amen. Come on. (laughs) He said, I'll give you anything you ask for in my name, according to my will, according to my plan. And the only way you get that plan is by getting to know the one who has it.